Greetings, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Catherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Walking in the Present. I had someone share a great insight, and they said, and I quote, We are responsible for what we do with what others have done to us. So many of the hurts, disappointments, unresolved events of the past continue to pull us backward, backward into what was done to us, and away from the present truth of who we are in Him in the moment. I have heard so many share that they struggle with keeping their thoughts in the here and now, in living in the moment. The pull of the past is profound. What makes it so hard to be here now, as they say, to stay in the moment, to embrace the realities of the present, even if unpleasant, challenging, nonsensical? What is so attractive or appealing about the past? What is it about the past that pulls us in? I have found that when we are not walking in freedom in the spirit, When we have not released the regrets, resentments, ruptures of the past, then the past has a stronghold. The past whispers, it's unfair, you've been wronged, it's not your fault, and so much more. What is the past whispering at you? One of the challenges is that the whispers of the past are not outward lies. They are usually facets of truth. It is likely an it was unfair. It is likely you were wronged. Do you remember what the serpent Satan whispered in the garden in Genesis 3.1? Let's read it, and I quote, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Satan inserted doubt. He asked a reasonable question. Did God actually say? The concern is Eve was willing to doubt. We can perhaps surmise she was unsure, unresolved, hesitant, open to move so subtly away from the truth God had spoken and fall prey to the whispers of Satan. One of the foundational reasons we exhort for stability in Christ at the Christian Life Institute, the notion of anchoring into the truth of who God is and the truth of his word, is that if we are unresolved, doubting, conflicted, We will be not only susceptible to the pulls of the past, but likely to step back into the darkness of the whispers, which are demanding fleshly resolution. You've been hurt, hurt back. You were treated unfairly, hold on to unforgiveness. Take a moment and think about some of the fleshly ways your past may currently control you. Have you ever played tit for tat? You poked me, so I poke you. Have you ever tossed a passive-aggressive zinger as a deflecting distractor? Have you ever not made an apology or held on to unforgiveness because you had not received an apology? 
Have you ever withdrawn, shut down, walked away to punish in reactive retaliation? Take a moment, ask yourself, what are my fleshly reactive behaviors and possible attitudes? Now take a moment and ask, what is unresolved within me? It is important to note that resolution with another may or may not be possible. So the metric is not the status of unresolved relationships where another may not be willing or accessible. The metric is what are you willing to do? Where are you walking? And where can you find peace? Let's take a moment and think about Jesus's words in the Gospel of John 14, 27, and I quote, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why did Jesus say he would give them his peace and went out of his way to distinguish his peace from the world's peace? Note as well, he specifically said he would leave his peace and would give his peace. He is leaving them as a legacy of the gift of peace. And this peace is more than a meaningless sound or even than a true wish. He repeats it with the emphatic my and speaks of it as an actual possession which he imparts to them. John is preparing to depart and as would be reasonable and human, his disciples are fearful. Jesus, knowing their fear, hesitation, and doubt, promises them a great gift, the gift of peace. He gives them not land or houses or possessions, but peace, and that his own peace, the peace of God which passes all understanding, as we read in Philippians 4, 6. Paul refers to Christ as he is our peace in Ephesians 2, 14. When we are resolved, we can experience peace even in the midst of the externalities, the storms of life. Let's read Mark 4, 35 through 41, and I quote, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? A great windstorm came. Are there windstorms in your life? And waves were breaking into the boat. Are there waves breaking into your boat, the place where you are? But Jesus, he was in the stern asleep. Would you or I be asleep? Likely not. Why? Likely because of fear. Why was Jesus asleep? No, the answer is not because he is Jesus, and I am not, you are not, although that is a true statement. An answer, I would propose, is because he knew and trusted his Father to keep him. Isaiah 26, 3 reminds us, and I quote, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When we fix our thoughts on Christ and not the externalities around us, we can have the peace that surpasses understanding. 
The disciples stepped out of God's promise and trust in the one who keeps us. And they stepped into fleshly fear and woke Jesus and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Note the power of fleshly fear. Don't you care? How many times have you posed that type of question or made that type of statement? If you cared about me, you would. Fear, self-pity, unfairnesses, hurts, and so many more just pile on to faithless fleshiness. After all, where is faith produced? In the flesh or by the Spirit? I would suggest faith is produced by the Spirit. And when we are in the flesh, we are usurping, disregarded, and so much more the work of the Spirit. What did Jesus say to his disciples? And please remember, if you belong to Jesus, you too are his disciple. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now back to John fourteen twenty seven. After Jesus said, I will leave you peace, I will give you peace, he said, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of Christ casts out all fear. It negates fear. If we are in the moment in Christ, we too can rest in the midst of the storms. We too can choose his peace over fear. We too can overcome. We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts from Colossians 3.15. We are to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us from 1 Peter 5.7. We are to set our minds on the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace from Romans 8.6. To be present and to be is to be present with Christ in the presence of Christ. To walk in the moment is to walk in the Spirit, to choose to look up into the eyes of Christ and not around fixed on the externalities of which there will always be a myriad. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3.16 prayed and I quote, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. He has given us his peace. He has left us his peace. When we walk in the moment as a desperately dependent, surrendered vessel unto the Lord, we are more apt to make spirit-centered choices, which allow us to take responsibility for what we do with what others have done to us. We take ownership of our choices and not allow ourselves to become captive to the power of the flesh. It's an intentional choice. It's a spirit-guided, spirit-disciplined, spirit-led way of living moment by moment, day by day, not just in church or Bible studies or more structured Christ-centric times and places. Practicing the presence of God begins with recognizing and acknowledging He is near. He is present with you. Brother Lawrence is known for his total devotion to God. He was born in 1611, spent much of his life as a soldier, and entered the Carmelite order in Paris at the age of 55. Early in his vocation, Brother Lawrence decided that, and I quote, our only business in this life is to please God. He worked in his order's kitchen for 15 years and is most known for the following quotation, and I quote, the time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clutter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, 
I possess God as, as a great tranquility, as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. Let's examine his statement. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clutter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the Blessed Sacrament. What key word do you extract from this statement? Tranquility is one. Even when Brother Lawrence is in the busyness of his work, he found tranquility as he possessed God as God possessed him. Walking in the present allows us to practice the presence of God, which is a perspective, a perspective of peace. According to Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, the Hebrew word for presence is panim, which is also translated face, implying a close and personal encounter with the Lord. The Greek word prosopon has the same semantic range. God's presence is personal. God's presence is practical. God's presence is purposeful. God's presence provides comfort in times of trouble or anxiety. Joshua 1.5 says, and I quote, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The downcast seek him and find encouragement and strength to praise him in Psalm 42.5, and I quote, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Practicing the presence of God is drawing near no matter where you are, as Brother Lawrence reminds us in the hecticness of his work in the kitchen. Let's read Psalm 95, 1-9, and I quote, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof that they had seen my work. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. A joyful attitude is a choice, not a feeling. Remind yourself the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. He is higher. He is greater. He is holy, sovereign God who loves you and saved you to have personal relationship with you and grow you in him for his glory and obedience to him. God's presence is occasionally described as him walking with his people, as in Leviticus 26.12 and Numbers 14.14. 14. His presence is represented by his glory glory of Yahweh, or Spirit of God. Do not harden your hearts, but God. Ask the Lord for heart change. Ask Ezekiel 36, 26, and I quote, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
The presence of God requires holiness. And in case you're saying, then how can I practice his presence? I'm anything but holy. But God, 1 Peter 1.16 says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. You are holy. He is holy. So we practice walking in the present and entering into his presence. We choose to walk in the present and enter into his presence. It starts with a spirit-led cognitive choice. We draw near, look up, align with his ways, not our ways. We depend on the spirit, not our flesh, from Galatians 5, 16, 17. We lean into him as we walk through the day. We maintain an attitude of continual prayer from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Let's choose to walk vertically aligned with our Savior, eyes fixed on Jesus and not the turbulence of life, expectantly knowing he is at work always and in all ways. And our role is to walk obediently in him as his beloved vessels. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To want Christ truly, deeply, intimately, and personally to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list at christianlifeinstitute.com to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.